0: Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Get the inside scoop on how to help your child become successful in and out of school. As parents, we know that your child can sometimes forget to share the notes from their backpack. That's why we've launched this podcast just for you.
1: Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. I'm Lawanda Tony. And I'm Helen Westmoreland, and you are
2: listening to our new mini-series where we give teachers the mic to share their perspectives
1: on big issues in education. Teaching has always been a challenging and sometimes underappreciated profession, but this year especially has been a tough one for the folks educating our children. So we're asking them, what do you wish families knew about your job and its challenges? And
2: today we are talking about a topic we know many parents have questions about, which is student motivation. So how do we get kids to care deeply about what's going on in school and put in a good effort? Yeah, Helen,
1: it's an important question and even more relevant lately as schools work to re-engage students after years of disrupted learning. In a 2021 Learning Heroes poll, one of parents' top concerns was their children losing their motivation or interest in learning. We're turning to a teacher to learn how we can help address this issue.
2: That's right, LaWanda. And we are so grateful to have with us today, Mr. Larry Ferlazzo. Larry Ferlazzo has taught English and social studies at Luther Burbank High School in Sacramento for 19 years. He's written or edited 12 books on education, writes a weekly teacher advice column for Education Week, and has a popular resource blog for educators. His guest columns on education policy issues regularly appear in the Washington Post and other media sites. He is a former community organizer for nearly two decades prior to becoming a teacher. Welcome to the show, Larry.
0: Well, it's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
2: Oh, we're so happy to have you. So we'd like to start off just by learning a little bit more about folks' professional journeys. So what brought you to the classroom and what has your path looked like since then?
0: Well, as you mentioned, I was a community organizer for 19 years prior to becoming a teacher. And in my organizing... I saw that people were learning leadership skills and developing self-confidence in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s through the organizing process. And I thought, God, people's lives would be a lot better if they learned some of these leadership skills and develop more self-confidence a little earlier. Mm-hmm. So I decided to become a teacher and try to begin to help create the conditions where students could develop those skills and develop intrinsic motivation so that instead of us pushing the rope, they could pull it themselves. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's been a great 19 years, practically all of it at Luther Burbank High School.
1: So Larry, can you talk to us a little bit about what motivating students means to you?
0: So I think the key thing with motivation is both as an organizer and as a teacher, I don't think I've ever actually motivated anybody, but I've helped try to create the conditions where students can motivate themselves okay. and try to focus on creating those conditions where intrinsic motivation can flourish. I'm not talking about extrinsic motivation. You read the book, you'll get a gold star. Lots of research has shown that extrinsic motivation can work on trying to get people to do actions that don't require much higher order thinking skills. Mm-hmm. But listen, I also got to say sometimes when you got to get a student to do stuff, <laughs> <laughs> extrinsic <laughs> is the way to go, right? I mean, I don't live in a fantasy world. Yeah,
2: all parents live in a world of, like, what's the level of bribe that, like, I can sleep with at night?
0: (laughs) Been there, done that. I'm a parent, too, and a grandparent. So, yes, extrinsic motivation has its place, but it also has to be kept in its place, right? It's a supplement, not the main deal. We get into problems where we make extrinsic motivation the primary tool to try to encourage children or students to do things. And then if that's the case, you can never take it away.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Can we talk a little bit, just so that we can level set for our audience, what do you mean when you say extrinsic, motivation versus intrinsic?
0: Okay, extrinsic is when you do something to get something from someone else. You're motivated by, okay, I wanna, get the money. I want mm-hmm. to be able to go out tonight.
2: TV time in my house.
0: TV time. <laughs> okay. Grades are extrinsic. Monitors, oh, that's an right? interesting
2: way to look at it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Whereas intrinsic is where the motivation comes internally. I mean, it's not always clear cut, but generally
1: sure.
0: in intrinsic, it's where we are motivated to do things on our own. And research has identified four key elements that reinforce intrinsic motivation. If we feel like we have a sense of autonomy, that generally helps cultivate a feeling of intrinsic motivation. So that's where choices can come in. And we're not talking about a choice, Okay. well, you can do this assignment, or you can get an F. We're not talking about mm-hmm. those kinds of choices, or we're not saying, okay, well, you can clean your room now, or if you don't, you get granted for the weekend. There are different categories of choices. Mm-hmm. There's organizational choice in the classroom where students might have a voice in where they might sit, or who they want to have in their small learning group, or procedural choice is where they might have in the classroom, they have a list of different homework assignments and which ones they want to do. Mm -hmm. A book, a poster, a skit, answer this question, answer that question. Those are two obvious choices, and those can also be applied in the home as well. What days do you feel like you want to be responsible for washing the dishes? Mm -hmm. There's also a third kind of choice, which researchers think Particularly helps promote autonomy is cognitive choice, where we basically ask students or children to come up with their own ideas mm. and say, okay.
2: The room is messy. What do you think we should do?
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things uh-huh. that could be applicable in the classroom or in the home. Mm-hmm.
2: Let me follow up with that a little bit. You mentioned earlier at the top of the show too, creating conditions to help students be motivated. Could you give some of those conditions in this research through your lens of like some of the choices you make as a teacher, what's going on behind the scenes, how this shows up in your classroom in terms of thinking of how you maximize those conditions to help students feel engaged?
0: Mm -hmm. One way is providing lots of choices. Another key quality in promoting intrinsic motivation is relevance. Is what I am asking students to do, do they see it as relevant to their lives Mm -hmm. and their dreams? So a key part of that is trying to develop relationships with students to find out what their dreams are and what their interests are one of the questions I always ask students in anonymous evaluations at the end of each semester is, do you think Mr. Falazzo views you as just another student, or does he seem to be concerned about your life outside of the class? And that's the only way to really find out about relevance. It doesn't necessarily mean that I dramatically change the content of what I teach, but Mm -hmm. I can help frame it in a way that students are more likely to see it as relevant to their lives? Not always. And I'm gonna say, I mean, I have lots of misses, (laughs) but all we can do is try. I think another element that researchers have found important for intrinsic motivation, they call relatedness, is what I am being asked to do, will it help me develop further a relationship with someone I like or respect? So that's where small group work really helps having a relationship with students. So students want to please the teacher or the parent if they Mm. feel like they like them. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing is competence. Mm. People want to feel like they're competent. There's a thing called the progress principle where researchers have found that the best way that people have found to be motivated is every day they make some progress each day. So you got to create a situation where people are more likely to be Mm. successful. You do that by providing the scaffolds that are needed. You do that by giving good feedback. People may be familiar with this idea of the growth mindset in Carol Dweck, Mm -hmm. that instead of saying, oh, Johnny, you're so smart, say, oh, you did a really good piece of work on that essay. I saw that you rewrote it twice, reinforcing those specific things. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't, what people have found is if someone is constantly told they're very, very smart, but then we all fail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all going to fail. So what's been reinforced is that they are supposedly smart, so they just always do great work. Their continual trying to do better or working hard is not reinforced, Mm -hmm. and they tend to feel more Mm -hmm. discouraged. Mm-hmm. For example, my granddaughter, she's a perfect example of this. I mean, she had some real challenges in school, but what we reinforced a lot was she just kept at it.
1: Yeah. You have my wheels turning everywhere because I'm thinking about all the things that we do as parents and also things that are happening in the classroom. So my son is in the third grade and he goes to a Montessori school. Mm -hmm. So there's choices (laughs) every day. (laughs) (laughs) They make a lot of their own choices. So that carries on Here, he's always asking, Well, why can't I do this? Or can I change the schedule to do this? Because at school, I get to choose. And he'll tell me, I don't go to a traditional school, so I shouldn't have to do things like that.
0: (laughs) Oh, man.
1: You got your work cut
0: out for you. He's in third grade. You're going to have a long number of years, boy. (laughs) Oh, my
1: gosh. So last year, He didn't understand why he needed to learn multiplication and the tables and the facts. He wanted to go straight to division. I just want to divide. My cousins (laughs) divide. They're older than me. I want to do fourth grade. You do division. I was like, how do I motivate him to stop worrying about division and you can't do division until you multiply? (laughs) I didn't know how to explain why you need to. You just need to do it. It's just a part of third grade. Like I don't know. So (laughs) what happened was I finally said, you know what? I'm going to let you divide. So we started doing the vision and he started getting stuck. And then he's like, I don't know what to do here. And I was like, you don't know what to do here because <laughs> you, skipped you the don't step. know your multiplication facts.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so then he motivated himself to right. Excellent. the multiplication facts. But who knew that that was a yeah. thing? <laughs> it was all trial and error. LaVon's always busts
2: out these great parenting <laughs> tips when we're on the show. And I'm like, ooh, i take notes of that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was saying. This is effective parenting. This an effective teaching that teachers and parents have done for years. And researchers just provide a little more of a framework for what we do.
2: Mm-hmm. So I want to recap those because I think that's an important takeaway for folks. So I think I heard you say choices, relatedness, relevance. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one you mentioned was, help me out.
0: Competence. Competence. They need to feel like... They're being mm-hmm. set up for success, that they have the skills, the scaffolding, the support they need to be able to do it. That's right. I mean, I know there's almost this cult about we want to learn from failures and all that sort of stuff. And really, you can learn some stuff from failures. But I think we learn a lot more from when we do stuff right.
2: <laughs> Who wants to fail mm-hmm. over and over again? Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're going to do that so many times on our own. I don't know if we as parents or teachers really need to create more opportunities for students and mm-hmm. our children to fail because they can do that quite well on their own and they will.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to pick up on I one of that. those because I feel like I've heard it over and over again from my friends who've got kids and teachers to some level too. that particularly over the past couple of years, the relevance piece has felt really hard. I feel like I've heard from a number of folks like, I just can't get my kid to care about X. What's your advice for parents who are really digging into that piece of the motivation puzzle?
0: Mm -hmm. I think the strategy that I try to take is really pushing students on trying to find out what their long-term goals are. What do they want to accomplish? We do an exercise where students have to say, what they want people to say about them 20 years from now. Oh,
2: that's a good one.
0: And then say, okay, well, what then will help you get there? If you do this or don't do this, which is more likely to create options for you? If you don't know, maybe you don't know where you want to be, okay? Then probably don't want to close off options. Keep them open. Mm -hmm. For some kids, maybe they're not going to do really well and they'll learn that they need it for the next class. Then they realize that, well, they should have done better. Then maybe they can go back to their teacher to see if they can retake the class mm-hmm. when they realize that it's important mm-hmm. enough for them. We've all had that experience in our lives, and we don't think something's that important. We don't want to do it, and then later we realize that we should have. And I think one of the things that parents can do, and I know that I have not done much of it. I trying to do that with my grandkids, but telling family stories, histories mm. of When people, whether it's us, our grandparents, our uncles, our great-grandparents, our great-great-grandparents, telling family stories that reinforce some of the qualities that we want to see developed in our kids or our students. Mm. And that also helps students develop a sense of identity and self-esteem when they realize that they have a legacy. And I think that's something that we all could do more of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point. Can we shift gears just a little bit and talk about COVID and the pandemic and what impact that had on student motivation from your eyes?
0: Well, I think for the students who faced the most challenges, motivation and otherwise, I think we Mm. lost them. And at least in the high school, I think we lost them permanently. I mean, I Mm. think four to 8% of our students are just gone and they're not coming back. They dropped out and that's it. The only thing that really kept them in school was Mm. coming to school and that relatedness part.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: And then when that was gone, so were they. Mm. I think for another not unsubstantial portion of our students, that they reached down and found their own motivation. Mm-hmm. I've asked many students what they feel they lost and what they gained during the pandemic, especially during the distance learning part. And many have told me that they found that they had a large reservoir of motivation that they were able to find. Students seeing their guardians and parents coping with this kind of adversity was also very inspirational for students. And also many of my students had to take jobs to help support their families. They had to become tutors for their younger siblings. They gained a lot of skills and a lot of resilience out of this. But also another good portion of students clearly lost motivation. I think many of them have regained it mm-hmm. this year. I think we sell our young people short by feeling that they can't bounce back from this. Clearly, there are a lot of issues around social-emotional well-being that we see. Yeah. I think that became more transparent during COVID, and our school and many other schools are trying to step up to provide that kind of support.
2: I want to go back to something you have alluded to, and I think is something a lot of parents feel this where's the line on. You shared for some students, they're not motivated in order to see relevance, they might need to fail the class and then come back, right? When it is mm-hmm. relevant to them. I think of so many parents in the line of caring more than their child about the grade, about the completion. And where's the line? I'm curious, particularly given your background, Larry, in organizing of where that responsibility, particularly as kids get older, lies.
0: Well, I know as an organizer, it was always a danger sign when it seemed like I was more invested in making something happen than the community members who had raised the issue were. That was always yeah. a danger sign. And I think it's different with kids. Mm. We can't just not let them do anything they don't want to do, right? I right. mean, they are not adults.
2: <laughs> They're not adults. We're still in charge.
0: Yeah. We have responsibilities. I don't know if it's a clear line. Mm. For example, you want to give them. The option to quit something, I would try to push them to say, Well, why do you do this? Stay with it for this amount of time, then make the decision if you want to no. quit or not. No. So, not necessarily buying into their first initial senses of despair or frustration but acknowledging it and giving them an out in the future. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We want our kids to be happy. And when they're not happy, we want to try to do something to help make them happy. But we got to balance that sometimes with, is that the life lesson we want to teach?
2: It's harder when they're teenagers. Mine is three. Like I'm pretty clear if I care more, that's okay. Right. Right. (laughs) Right, right,
0: right, right. I don't think there is a clear playbook for parenting. And lots of kids have turned out really well (laughs) with lots of different parenting strategies. But these are just some things to keep in mind.
2: Mm -hmm. One of the things that I notice when I read the comment on education stories or articles is that it seems to me there's a pretty widely held perception by many families and community members that we're having a motivation crisis, not just in the pandemic, but we have a crisis of motivation with our young people. Do you buy into that? Do educators that you are talking to feel we are in a crisis around student motivation, or is that a misplaced worry?
0: Well, I think there's a growing recognition That motivation is a key element of a successful education being a successful teacher. I don't know if motivation is a bigger problem than it's ever been, but I think Mm -hmm. there's more recognition now that it is an issue. And it's an issue in a fairly large number of our students. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's any of a bigger problem than it has been in the past. We just know it's there now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Larry, I could probably talk to you all night. It's late (laughs) here on the East Coast. This has been a great conversation. We're so thankful for you being on the show. Before we go, we want to give you the opportunity of everything we've talked about tonight. Is there anything in particular you really want our listeners to grab a hold of?
0: The key thing to keep in mind in terms of motivation is it's not like we can motivate people, but we can create the conditions. Mm-hmm. And I think if we do try to do the shortcuts, Fred Ross Sr., who was a legendary organizer, he said, well, shortcuts tend to lead to detours that tend to lead to dead ends. Mm. So we can try to avoid those shortcuts, which is what I think extrinsic motivation is we're more likely Mm. to have long-term success for us for our kids for our students
2: that's a good takeaway and if folks want to read more of the great things that you've written larry or get any more information on some of the things you've shared today any twitter handles websites any place you want to encourage our listeners to go to learn more
0: i'm on twitter i have a blog written three books on student motivation So there's plenty of (laughs) stuff. Shameless
1: plug for your books. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: great talking with you.
1: Thanks for coming. And to those of you listening in at home, thank you for joining us. For more resources related to today's episode, check out notesfromthebackpack.com.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at National PTA and online at pta.org forward slash backpacknotes.